So are you all ready for the teaching this morning? So I want to talk about the end is glory part two. Now I know that this is deep stuff and all of that kind of thing, but it's okay if every now and then you eat steak, you struggle to digest it and things like this. All you got to do is go back and study more and pray and then it's like you've taken a digestive enzyme. Is that okay? And that will help. Are you all good? So we're going to do the end is glory. Remember our key text was Romans chapter 10 verse 4. And we saw Christ is the end of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone. Can you remember that? If you didn't, go back and get it. From last week, you can watch it. Christ is the end of the law. In other words, he was the termination of the law, but he was not only the termination, he was the purpose of the law. So in other words, if the law led us to Christ, where's Christ taking us? Because there was a purpose for that age, and that age was to take us to Jesus. Then with the coming of Jesus, where are we going as far as that is concerned? Then we we decided, we had a look at 2 Peter chapter 3, and we discovered that there was a first world. Now in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. When he said that, he wasn't only speaking about the natural, physical world. He was also speaking about other worlds. Is that okay? So in other words, every world, so in the beginning, so that was from the time of Adam. So in the beginning, the first world had a heaven and it had an earth. All right. And then Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, the world that then was. He was talking about the creation of the world, and he says, by the word of the Lord, you know, waters were separated, earth was separated, and God created the present physical world. But then in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 6, he says, by which the world that then was, or then that existed, perished, being flooded by water. Okay. So the world that then was. So it was the world from Adam all the way up to Noah. And this world was flooded by water. Okay. And then he goes on, Peter goes on to talk about the fact in verse 7, he says, And the present world, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of godly men. Let's just hold that verse there. I said godly, but it's actually ungodly. So he says, the present world, the present world would be the second world, okay? The second world. And the second world basically was from the time of Noah through the time of Moses all the way through up until the time of the apostles. So when Peter was writing, Jesus had already died, but it was in the 60s that he wrote his epistle, and it was just before AD 70, the destruction of Jerusalem. But he says, the heavens and the earth which are now, a heaven and an earth constitutes a world. Okay, so this world had a heaven and earth as well. It had a heaven and it had an earth. Now I'm going to explain to you this word here because that's where many Bible teachers get it wrong. In fact, that one and that one, but particularly this one. Is everybody good? So he says the second world. So the second world, we know that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay. So which world? Because he was slain, Jesus died in time. Is that okay? So he was the lamb slain for the foundation of the world. But Paul also says that he was the sacrifice made once for all at the end of the ages. So which one is it? You know, if we look at world, so, you know, if Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world here, 
prophetically he was because of the sacrifice of the lamb to cover Adam and Eve, remember? And so, but actually he was crucified in time and space. In the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law. Are we all good? And so once for all at the end of the age. Well, it was this age. So the end of this world, Christ was laid down as the foundation stone, okay? And he formed the foundation of the third world. Is that okay? So it was at the time of the crucifixion when Jesus died, his body became, when his sacrifice became the foundation of the world. The word stone is, comes from the Hebrew word eben, which eben, ben is son, and the e stands for the father. And so the stone then represents the fact that Jesus' sacrifice became the foundation stone. In other words, the son then becomes the builder of the family name. Is that Okay. And we also saw that in John chapter 17, Jesus said about the disciples to the Father, he says, I've given them the glory that they may be one even as I am one. Is that okay? And so we saw then that there was another world that began. Another world. And so in particular, I'm going to just broaden it a little bit and just exaggerate. In particular, AD 70 became a critical point. So this period here between the crucifixion and AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed by fire, the city and the temple, this period here is a generation and it's called the patience of Christ because God was patient with the Israelites not wanting any to perish but all to come to repentance, Second Peter chapter 3. Is that all right? And so this is an amazing period of time when city and temple were burnt down, but it was all part of Jesus coming as the Son of Man. Okay? The Son of Man. And so what he had to do was not only pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, but because the Jews rejected him, he had to end that whole system. His coming as the Son of Man, he had to finish that system of sacrifice, that means of salvation, because he needed to introduce the kingdom. Is that okay? And so the kingdom here was introduced, and there was a slight increase, but from AD 70, the kingdom is increasing without end, and it will take over the whole world. Okay. Is everybody happy with that? Now, the Bible talks a lot about the coming, the coming of Jesus. Not only the coming of Jesus, but the coming of God, the coming. But it also talks about the day of the Lord. But what happens in biblical language, and I'm just going to say this in advance, in biblical language, I want you to understand everything I'm saying, the Jews knew and understood. It's foreign to us, but they absolutely knew and understood it because they were students of the Old Testament, okay? And so everything to them was familiar, absolutely everything. Now, I'm going to just go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, but it says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now, this is really important that we've got to understand. There are 
two Hebrew words and one Greek word. Remember, we looked at the three words for world. And the first world was cosmos. The second was oikomeni. And the third one was aeon. And you've got to look at which Greek word that is being used to understand which world it's being used. Amen? So there's a sense in which that was the first cosmos. That was the second cosmos. And this is the third cosmos. But there's another sense in which this in particular was an age. Okay? This was an aeon, which was established by God. And when God speaks about the world in this period of time, he's speaking about the Roman and the Jewish world, the then known civilized world, okay, but including the Jewish world. So for those of us who live up here in Gauteng, basically this is our world. Is that okay? So this would be our oikomeni. In South Africa in particular would be our oikomeni. It would be our world. All right. But now there's three words, three words. Let me just see if I can find them quickly. And the first word for world is the Hebrew word tebel, okay? And the second word for world is eretz. The third word is the Greek word, which is ge. And this can mean world, it can mean earth, and it can mean land or country. Now, I'm going to just show you something here. So quiet you can hear a pin drop. Okay, so let's just talk you through that versely. The day of the Lord, remember I spoke about the day of the Lord, okay? When was the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord was here when the first world ended by judgment because of the wickedness. The day of the Lord was here, AD 70, which ended, but it began here, which ended the second world. And there were other day of the Lord's. And this is where a lot of Bible scholars, Bible teachers get it all messed up because they took the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, and they take verses um, talking about the day of the Lord, you know, about some end time catastrophe and Armageddon and all that kind of thing, and they refer it to us, but in the Bible it's talking about a completely different nation. Is that okay? And so the same here, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away. We looked at it last week, so we know that this is the day of the Lord for Jerusalem and its temple. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Okay? So this world had a heaven and earth. So he says, the heavens will pass away and the elements. I'm going to just write it here. Elements. The elements are connected to the heavens and has got everything to do with the heavens. He says, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Did it pass away with a great noise? Yes, the destruction of Jerusalem and with fire. They were throwing, catapulting massive stones over the wall. They were sieging it. There was a massive noise. And he says, elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth, the earth, and the works that are in it will be burned up. Woo! Oh, I like it. You see, that word earth, and all the end time teachers are talking about the fact the whole world is going to be destroyed. And we think it's got to be atomic warfare because the elements are the atoms. The word earth there, it's, I can't remember, but I think it's the word eret. But it, being in the New Testament, it'll be the word ge. So the word earth there is actually land. What did God say to the Israelites 
He says, I will give you the land of Canaan. It is your promised So what land will experience this distraction? Only the promised land. Not the whole world. What do you say? Not the whole world. Okay. This is not global. This is local. Because local is lacquer. Unless it's judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Has that helped you a little bit? I mean, we're going to go through. I'm going to show you. I did extensive study. Here's an advert. It's all in the book that I'm writing. Okay? So he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The heavens, with a great noise. The elements are going to be burned up. And he says, Together with the land. Now I want you to notice, And the works that are in it will be burned up. So what, here it is. What comes out of the law equals works. To establish righteousness. So he says, I'm going to burn up. Now that should give you a clue what the elements are. See, the elements there are the elemental things of the law. I'll give you the scripture references just now. You can go and search it out. So God is saying, I'm going to bring this world to an end. Okay, beginning with the cross, my patience. But there it is. That system is over. The heavens are going to burn. The elements are going to be dissolved. Also the land is going to be changed. Is that okay? It's kind of fundamental change to the land. We won't talk about that. But the works therein also will be burned up. In other words, works of the law shall no longer be a means of attaining righteousness. It will now come through faith in Jesus. Come on, come on, somebody just, you know. Good luck. Come on, you've not heard this before. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't heard it before. So just act surprised for my sake. Okay. All right. Okay, so there it is. And so it's really amazing. But you know what happened? If we go through the Bible, we see that every time that there was a change of the world, where there was a judgment, it was preceded by something. All right. So now it was preceded by wind and clouds. Are you all ready? So prior to this, and particularly this as well, There was wind and clouds. So I'm going to just fly through some verses because of time. So here it is. Here's the psalmist. He says this in Psalm 104, verses 2 to 3. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. Listen to this. He makes clouds his chariots and rides on the wings of the wind. Now, I mean, you know, God is spirit. He doesn't need to do that. So what is this? This is prophetic and symbolic language. And so I want you to notice that clouds are his chariots. And he rides on the wings of wind. And riding on the chariots, he's Yah, which means that he's the head of the hosts of heaven. and means that he's coming with an army. Is everybody good? So the other prophets pick up on this. So, for example, Isaiah is prophesying judgment against the land of Egypt. Now, you know that Egypt was continuously attacking the Jews, the promised land. And God used other nations to judge Israel. But if they overstepped the mark and they themselves were unrighteous, God would use another nation to judge them. Okay? So listen to this. Prophecy against Egypt. See, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and is coming to Egypt. Now, I want you to know that wasn't good news. Because it was talking about judgment. 
He's not saying, I'm going to come in, I'm going to bring nice, lovely rain like in Gauteng right now. Basically what he's saying, listen, I'm coming with the wind because these chariots were on the winds and he's saying, I'm coming in judgment. So let's just run through a few very quickly. When Nahum prophesies against Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, because they'd also invaded the land and overstepped the mark. The Lord, slow to anger but great in power, the Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. And listen to this, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. And I'm going quick because of time, this we'll never get through. So he's saying the clouds are the dust of his feet. So the symbolism is this. There's a huge army marching. And while they're marching, their feet on the dry ground is stirring up clouds of dust. Yeah. Amen? And so he's saying, listen, when you see the clouds, it's the dust of his feet. Yeah. And not ordinary clouds, yeah. prophetic clouds, okay? And so he's coming in the clouds. Like I said, this is Old Testament imagery of God coming in judgment, especially when he's using another nation to carry out that judgment. So, and I've mentioned the words for the world as it is. So it's important when you start to I mean, interpret scriptures to look at these words and determine, is it the whole world cosmos or the earth, or is it that particular land? Is it an area, an area like Rome, or is it a specific country like, for example, Israel? Okay, it's important to look at that. All right, so Nahum, in Nahum chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, a prophecy against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. The Lord is jealous and an avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. Just for those who don't think that God doesn't punish. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. Are you all listening? The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. Here it comes. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and clouds are the dust of his feet. You all ready? He rebukes the sea, and he dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the blossom of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. So listen to this. Let's go back a little bit. It's about verse 5. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. Listen to this. The earth, the earth trembles at his presence. That's the new king James. The earth heaves. The word there for earth there is the word tebel. Okay? And so he's prophesying to Nineveh. And so the word earth there would be the country or the empire of Assyria, not the whole world. Is that okay? And is it table or Eretz? Okay. It's Eretz. It's Eretz. So the earth Eretz, sorry, the earth Eretz trembles at his presence, the world Tebal, and all who live in it. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are all shattered before him. So can you see, if we use the word table or Eretz, We've got to look at the context, and Nahum is prophesying against Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. This was not the whole world. Are you good, church? Okay. So the prophets also began to speak, not only to other countries. So I want you to know that the day of the Lord was present for different nations leading up. Okay? So there was 
Philistia, there was Egypt, there was Idumea, there was Bosra. There were different countries where it specifically says, and the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. And God was speaking against them. And a lot of Bible teachers go and take that language and they put it into our future. But first of all, they don't understand when those scriptures were written and they don't understand to whom they were written. They don't belong in our time. Can I give you one verse to show it doesn't belong in our time? One verse. Okay. Jesus said, when he was making reference to John the Baptist, he said, all the law and all the prophets were until John. All the law. Because John the Baptist would have come there somewhere. All the law and all the prophets were until John. Everything here fulfilled. Now I can feel... Holy Ghost bumps now. All the law, all the prophets. Can I give you one more verse? Revelation 19.10. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So the spirit of all of these prophets, including the law from the time of Moses, all, all was the testimony of Jesus. Nothing beyond. I love it, don't you? All right, so we've looked at that. We've looked at that. So where are we now? The whirlwind and the storm. So he rebukes it. So now the prophets, Jeremiah and others, are prophesying against Judah in particular because Israel is now Judah. Israel has disappeared as a nation, but it's now Judah, in which is Jerusalem and the temple. Jeremiah 4, 11 to 13. At that time, this people in Jerusalem will be told, a scorching wind from the barren heights in the desert blows towards my people, but not to win or cleanse. A wind too strong for that comes from me. For that comes from me. Now I pronounce my judgments against them. Look, he advances like clouds. His chariots come like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, we are ruined, says Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was one of those prophesying just before the exile before the Israelites were taken into captivity, okay? Now remember, in Daniel chapter 7, are you getting something? Uh, we've got to just get through this, but if you understand this, you're not going to be confused anymore. Amen? You're not going to send me video clips anymore. Is this the mark of the beast? Is this the... You're not going to send me those. Pastor John, please check this out. And then I've got to watch hours of things and go... You know? All right, you won't have to send me any of those anymore, okay? Are you all good? Okay. So, I mean, people run around, end of the world, end of the world. <clears throat> that was the duck that the acorn fell and hit the head. Okay. Okay, you're all good. So here it is. Now the prophets are saying to Israel, Come, look, he's coming like a scorching wing. He's coming for what? He's coming for this. Is that okay? And so in Daniel chapter 7 verse 13, this is an incredible scene. It's amazing. This is where those wonky preachers get this thing about before your aunt prayers can be answered, you've got, to go, you've got to go and drift through the courts of heaven because there might be some outstanding charge against you because, you know, heaven is a courtroom and all of that. There's a, a nice Afrikaans word for that, but I can't use it. <clears throat> but there's something, it's dust with the bull in front. Okay? And... Uh, 
you know, you've got to go through the courts of heaven and some outstanding charge against you and blah, blah, blah. But you see, Daniel is seeing prophetic language. He's seeing a throne being established. In comes the Ancient of Days, God takes out the scrolls. He opens them all, and he pronounces judgment. What is he pronouncing judgment on? He's pronouncing judgment on the Jews. It's going like, it's time. It's time. Because even in captivity, they sinned. Even in the return, when Nehemiah tears his robes, and he goes like, you're doing the stuff that caused us to go into the exile. What are you doing? Tears his robes in in distress and anger. And God says, okay, that's it. Your sins are full. Time up. So he opens the scrolls because he's got a record of everything. I sent you prophets. You killed them. I sent my son. You killed him. The parable of the vineyard. And so the Bible says he then pronounces judgment in favor of the saints. Which saints? The saints post the cross, post AD 70, into our time. Judgment is pronounced in our favor. Is that okay? Because then what Daniel sees, he sees one like the Son of Man coming. And the Bible says in the clouds of glory. Is this all right? So listen, listen to it. Here it is. It says this in Daniel, in Daniel 7, 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He's coming with what? The clouds of heaven. So what's the big deal about that? It's prophecy in the Old Testament. But remember, Daniel is talking about the coming of the Messiah. He prophesied the end of the Mosaic system. Everybody following me? So here it is. So now Jesus is walking through with his disciples. They say, look at the temple. Jesus says, you see all these stones, magnificent as it is, not one will be left on top of another. The disciples didn't go, oh my goodness, Jesus, what are you talking about? They knew from the prophetic word of the Old Testament, particularly Daniel's prophecy, that the day was going to come of judgment, particularly that verse. The Son of Man is coming, the Messiah is coming, and He's coming with the clouds of heaven. They knew the prophecies to Bosra, Idumea, Philistia, Egypt. They knew he's coming with the clouds. He's not coming with the clouds. Now when the prophets go like, hey, you guys, he's coming with the clouds to you. Because you're unrighteous and wicked. They're going, oh, my goodness. So they didn't go, no way, never. (laughs) OMG. (laughs) They knew it because they said, what will be the sign? When? Three questions. When is this going to happen? We know it's prophesied. When is it going to happen? And then Jesus begins to say, well, this is going to happen. 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 But don't worry. That's not the end yet. Oh, my goodness. No, the end will still come. This gospel of the kingdom must first be preached in all nations as a sign. Which nations? The nations of that oikumeni. And then the end will come. It's very interesting that the Apostle Paul goes and he says, hey, this gospel that we've been preaching has been preached to every creature under heaven. Had they preached in Africa? No. Had they preached in America? No. 
but every creature under heaven, the Oikimeni heaven. Because Jesus said, you won't finish going through all the towns and villages of Judea before I come back. So when Paul said, hey, listen, guys, he says it in Romans. He said in some of his other books, epistles, he said, the gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven. So what was Paul saying? Listen, the end is coming. When? AD 70. All right. So where was I before I rudely interrupted myself? Daniel. So Daniel. So now here's Jesus. He tells the whole story, Matthew 24, all the way through. He gives them the signs, the times. He's telling this generation, not our generation, this generation that I'm talking to shall not pass away before I come. This, what he said, this generation. Which generation? The generation that he was speaking to. The generation of the disciples. He said, this, this generation shall not pass away. How long was this? 40 years. How long is a generation? 40 years. This generation. Shake your head. Some of you, your eyes are stuck now. I know your mind just boggles. Take, just get some oxygen in there. Get some oxygen. Just go. Those of you on air, take a deep breath. Okay. Are you all ready? So here it is. So now Jesus has told all of this. He gets arrested. He's standing in front of Caiaphas, the high priest. Caiaphas says, now tell me plainly. Come on. Just spit it out. Are you the Messiah? Jesus didn't play the dumb game. He didn't go, tweedledee, tweedledum. That's for me to know and you to find out. He didn't say that. On one record, he said, well, it's what you say. But this time, he answers Caiaphas, and he quotes Daniel 7, 13. So he says this, Matthew 26, verses 3 to 6. Daniel, uh, Matthew 26, I think it's verses uh, 63 to 64. Matthew 26, he said, so this is Caiaphas. Tell us, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? So Jesus quotes Daniel, and he says, you have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. To do what? To judge. So far, so good. The book of Revelation uses the same image. Should I give you a verse? You're going to interpret it for me. Revelation 1.7. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And there's a lot of people are looking and go, is it today? <laughs> All the law and the prophets were until John. Look. He is coming with, okay. And they've invented every kind of story for the next bit. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the tribes, tribes, the tribes, should give you a clue, of the, will, are you all good? So all the tribes of the what? The earth. What earth? The land of? I mean, which land is known for its tribes? Twelve of them. Thank you for that show. Thank you. 
I'll take every show I can get right now. <laughs> Thank you, babe. My darling. Are you all with me? Because they say he's going to come in the clouds and the whole world. See, that's why they invented television. Because then the cameras around the world are all beaming and they can all see him coming on the clouds. No, no, no. He's coming on the clouds, AD 70. Amen. And the tribes of the land of Judah, they will see him. And they will look on him who they have pierced and mourn for him, mourn because of him. Prophetic language, church. I haven't shown you all of us. There's many more. It's all in the book, by the book, when I finished it. Okay. So he's coming with the clouds. Every eye, that's how the eyes will see him when he comes. Okay. So now the imagery begins to change very subtly. Notice how the imagery changes. Are you all following now? So he's coming with the clouds. He rides the winds. The winds drive the clouds, okay? So Ezekiel 32, verses 7 to 8. This is the change of imagery. And the imagery is of a foreign army going to destroy Egypt. So listen. Ezekiel 32, 7 to 8. Ezekiel. When I snuff you out, I will cover the heavens and darken their stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon will not give its light. So for, particularly for the land of Egypt, okay, that world, that table, Egypt, he says, your heavens. Now how many of you know in the heavens, the heavens have got celestial bodies, sun, moon, and stars. So the heavens are made up of sun, moon, and stars. So this is what Ezekiel says to Egypt. He says this, when I snuff you out, I will cover the heavens and darken their stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud, a cloud, a cloud, and the moon will not give its light. All the shining lights, the stars in heaven, I will darken over you. I will bring darkness over your land, declares the Lord. So now he's talking about, I'm going to affect the sun, and I'm going to affect the moon, and I'm going to affect, and I'm going to judge the stars. Okay, remember, this period of the Jews also had a heavens which means they also had sun, moon, and stars. Okay? So now listen to Zephaniah. And he's speaking against Judah and Jerusalem, the city in particular. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry on that day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. The day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress, anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, trumpet blast, battle cry against the fortified cities, against the corner towers which Jerusalem had. I'll bring such distress on all people. So basically what he was saying as well, I'm also going to darken the sun, moon, and star over you, yeah. Jerusalem. And then he goes on. I'll bring such distress on all the people that they will grope about like those who are blind in the darkness because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. Tebel Eretz Geh. Not the whole world. Not global. Local. The whole this whole world 
of Judah, of the Jews, is going to experience this. I think you're getting the picture, hey? Okay. So let's just move on a little bit faster. So in Luke chapter 21, it's the parallel passage of Matthew 24. When Matthew 24, Jesus is giving the signs of the times, when it will be, when it'll happen, when will the end come. He's explaining it to his disciples. Luke 21 verse 25 is the parallel portion of Scripture. And Luke says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. This distress is not worldwide, but it's the land of Judah only. Okay. So when he talks about covering with clouds, it's also another way of saying the next thing that I'm going to say. Okay? Yeah. This, the next thing is this. When Isaiah is prophesying against the Medes and the Persians, who were around in the time of Daniel, who were in that period of the exile, you know, before Jesus came, the Medo-Persians was the second empire, and uh, he's prophesying against them and against Babylon, he says, a prophecy against Babylon, the son of Amos, saw. That's Isaiah 13, verses about 1 to 11. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and the constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world, that world, for its evil. The wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and, and will humble the pride of the ruthless. So Jesus used this language. John used this language. And so what he was talking about was I'm going to cover them. And in other passages of Scripture, he talks about the fact that the sun and the moon and the stars not only will be darkened and be removed, but some of them will fall to the earth. So I want you to listen to this. In Jeremiah 31, verse 31, it's Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 31, where Jeremiah prophesies, a day is coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with my people. A new covenant. Listen. And he says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. In other words, when there's a change in the sun, moon, and stars, as a nation they will cease, not as a people group. As a nation they will cease before me. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love them. What God had in mind is another nation, Jew and Gentiles, together because in the beginning we were considered as foreigners and aliens and not fellow citizens amen we were gentiles outside of the covenant outside of the actions of god but now through christ he's made the two one breaking down the dividing wall of hostility he loves them so much he's provided salvation for them through the blood of the cross the same as us amen so I'm not anti-Jewish. I'm just reading the Bible. Okay. All right. So Hebrews 8.13. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Are you all good? So when did that happen? AD 70. 
when the elements burned up with the fervent heat. So, it was this system of the heavens with the elements containing sun, moon, and stars that Jesus came to judge. It was the whole legal system. Is that okay? Here's one theologian. Listen to what he says. These elementary rudiments symbolized that religious order or system. And the Pharisees were the personal embodiments of it. They were the tangible, visible manifestations of power. The actual powers determining the political, social, economic, and religious world in which Jesus and his disciples lived. The elements were not just the inner essence or spirituality of that system. They were the powers that be, the heavenly and not the earthly things. The battle is against the spirituality of institutions, against the ideologies and legitimations that prop them up, against the greed and covetousness that give them life, and against the idolatry of individual egocentricities. Amen? And so the sun, the moon, and the stars were very much the religious leaders, the nation of Israel, and the individual who were the stars, with the system of the law. So when AD 70 came, because he was coming in the clouds, he began to darken the sun, the moon, and the stars. Hebrews 1 tells us that he rolled up the heavens like a scroll. In other words, what he was saying, it's like the scroll of writing. Remember, Jesus unrolled the scroll. And what God was saying, okay, that chapter is now closed. That book of the law is now rolled up. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, this is such good stuff. Just another short, please. Okay. Thank you. So it was that system that Jesus judged, okay? Those were the elements. You can write it down. Galatians 4, 3 and 9. Colossians 2, 8 and verse 20. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, etc. Okay. Those were the elements of the law. So now, the change of elements came. Now I'm going to just very quickly just go through this and then, because I can see the landing lights are on. I can see the runway, okay? The radar's on, and I know there's a lot of cloud and mist, but I know it's all. I'm approaching at 136 knots. Hey, the landing gear's out, so without wasting time, they'll get me back to my notes. Okay, so principle of first mention, principle of first mention. In Genesis, remember the story of Joseph. Genesis in 37 verses 6 to 11. Joseph has two dreams. The first one, he dreams that the sun, the moon, and the stars, how many stars? Eleven of them. How many sons did Israel have? 12, but he sees 11 bowing. He was the 12. Is that okay? So he sees the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowing to him. And that's why his dad just, you know, your little snort cup, you know, clap. And he's going like, are you trying to tell me that me and your mother and your brothers are going to bow down to you? You know, discretion was the better part of valor. He didn't say yes, you know. But basically, that's what he was saying. So the moon would have been Rebecca, probably. So he was saying, I saw the sun, moon, and stars. Later, he has another one. But it's basically the same thing. The day will come when you will bow. But from that point onwards, Israel is represented as sun, moon, and stars. Is that okay? All the way through. So go with me to Revelation chapter 12. This is where people get it wrong. Okay? Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. So this is John, the apostle. And he has this vision. He says, now a great sign appeared in heaven. Mm-hmm. A woman. Who was the woman? Israel. Yeah. Clothed with the 
with the and on a head a garland of 12 stars what is it a picture of Israel but the woman in particular can represent Eve because she received the promise for whom the seed would come in particular it can represent Mary because she gave birth to the Christ but actually it represents Israel as the woman who delivered the Messiah Sun, moon, and stars. Are you all good? So what happens now is that just a slight change in terminology. He's coming with the clouds. He rides on the clouds. What means? It means he's coming with judgment. When? To AD 70. But Peter says the heavens will be dissolved and the elements with fervent heat. Now remember the heat over here was very much the fire of God's judgment there. So there was a a change in the sun, moon, and stars. And the elements, all of those represented, so the heavens with its elements in the Old Testament, heavens plus elements, basically, I'm going to just put one word down there, equals the law. That whole system, including the teachers, the Pharisees, the rulers, because they ran everything. Okay? And so something changes. So Jesus says this, Matthew 24. This was the passage in which he's explaining to his disciples, this is when the end is going to come. Because remember they said, what will be the signs of the end of the world? What word world? We saw it over there. The word world was either aeon or kemeni. But if we were to put it in this language, it would be geh. What will be the signal of the end of this land? Okay. Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and he was talking about AD 70, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give a light, the stars shall fall from heaven. I just wish I had another hour or two, but I don't. The stars will fall from heaven. Man. Okay. I'm going to just explain it very quickly. This was a spiritual system a means of righteousness until Christ came. So that which was spiritual now becomes natural. So in Deuteronomy, God says about Israel, you are the stars of heaven. In Romans chapter 9, Paul says, you are the dust of the earth. Why? Because the system of righteousness has changed. It's back to zero Now the means back into the heavens is through the cross of Jesus. Okay? So he goes on to tell us, he shall sin, uh, be shaken, fall from heaven. uh, And so he says, meet after the shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Shaken. What do you say, shaken? Shaken, shaken. What do you say, shaken, not stirred? Shaken. Shaken, shaken. Come on, everyone say Shaken. I mean, I'm still within my time. Shaken. Say shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, the tribes of the earth, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. When did he come in great power and glory? There. Amen. And did the tribes, the 12 tribes mourn? Yes, they mourned. Can I tell you, because of the prophecies of Jesus, Josephus, Flavius Josephus, the historian, writes, not one Christian died in the destruction of Jerusalem. 
because they all heard the prophecies and they fled out of Judea and they went to another city nearby and everyone, every Christian survived because they heard the prophetic word. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man and shall all the tribes of the earth, the earth and they shall see the Son of Man coming, the Son of Man. You see, he's the Son of Man finishing the work of salvation by removing the old. When he comes again, when he appears again, because he will appear again, he will appear as the Lord of glory. Because glory shall fill the whole earth. Okay. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the end of heaven to the other. In other words, then all of those who are my people, Jew and Gentile, by virtue of their faith in Christ, I will gather them, and they will be the new nation. Amen? They will be my new people. Amen? When? When those star, when those, that moon, that heaven, that stars ends. Is that okay? So, Revelation 6 verse 12 to 7, let's leave it. Okay, so now, what about this new world? What about this new world? Remember I said this new world, the end, the purpose of Christ is glory. So this world is for glory. It's the home of the righteous. Look, I know I'm teaching hard. I'll, I'll, for the next few weeks, I'll just teach easy and lie. And then you'll go, Pastor John, that's just like, that was like nothing. I wish you'd do the tough ones again and use the blackboard again. So let's enjoy the last seven minutes that we got. All right. Okay, so here it goes. So we're going to leave that. So how many of you know Jesus said, because now there's new elements to this period. So what did Jesus say just before he died? John 13, a new commandment for a new creation who have forgotten the old and look forward to the new. Amen. Because I'm building a new heaven, a new earth, a new city, a new temple, a new Mount Zion, new priesthood, all things new, new Jerusalem. And I don't know where I got, so I've got to just keep saying new until then. A new, a new commandment I give unto you, that you, Paul says, all the law and all the prophets hang on that one commandment of love. So here they had the whole system of the law as part of the elements. So this commandment forms part of the elements of the new heaven, of this world that will not end. So what is the new sun? What is the new moon? What is the new stars of this period of time? Very quickly, it will only take me a minute. Isaiah 60, verses 19 and 20. The sun will no longer be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. The sun, woo, your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. This end here, the days of sorrow, because now Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the sun. The sun equals the sun, and we walk in his light. Amen. Amen? And so the new elements, so we get our instructions from him because we are led by the Spirit. Amen? But the general principle that we walk in is the commandment to love. But there's a new moon. Listen to this, Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 10. Who is this that looketh? Forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, 
and terrible as an army with banners. The moon is the church. It's us. We're reflecting his light. Amen? But we, when we reflect that light to others, they look at us and they go like, you, you look like a terrible army with banners. Wow. Okay, awesome. Amen? You can also put Revelation 12, 1 there. But yeah, listen to this. Genesis, in Genesis 15, verse 5, it also began here. Remember when God made the promise to Abraham? And he said, you're going to have a son, and you're going to have descendants. And Abraham's battling to conceive it. He says, just step outside your tent. Step out. Look at that desert sky out there. Just look up. And he goes, like, look at that. Can you count those stars? That will be your descendants. What? What? Stars of the sky. Amen? Are we not the children of Abraham by faith? So then we are the? So Jesus is the son. Collectively as the church, we are the moon. As individuals, we are? Come on. Twinkle, twinkle, great big star. How I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high. Like a diamond in the So now in this dispensation, those that are natural have been raised up. And now made spiritual. How? Paul tells us in Philippians, he says in Philippians 2, 15 to 16, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life that came through Jesus Christ. So now, now I'm closing. I'm closing. Remember last week I spoke about this world does not have an end. Remember? Remember I read Ecclesiastes? Remember I read Ecclesiastes 1.4? Remember I read Isaiah 66 verse 22? Remember I, I read Ephesians 3.21, world without end? Remember I read that? I was going to give you one more, the pun, unshakable piece of proof as I closed. So listen to what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Hebrews. He's reflecting back on the prophet Haggai. But it also comes from Exodus 19, verse 18. There's a trace in it over there. And the backdrop of it is the manifestation of God's presence on Mount Sinai. When God came down on Mount Sinai, the mountain shook. Is that okay? You all remember? Like an earthquake. So listen. And how many of you know that when Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake? Why? Because God came down in Christ, <laughs> formed a new covenant and a new world. Okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. So listen to what Hebrews 12, 25 to 29 says. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, that was Mount Sinai, how much less we if we turn away from him who warns from heaven. Okay, let's go to the next verse. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks from heaven. And then he goes, at that time, in the King James, whose voice then or at that time shook the earth, which earth did it shake? Not the whole world. It was that area around Sinai. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Once more I will shake the earth. Not the whole world. Because they take this verse and they put it into the future. The earth, geh, okay? Or there might have been Eretz or Tebel. Once more, I will shake the earth. But not only the earth, but the heavens 
also. Now we've looked at it. Why did he shake the heavens? To bring down the sun, moon, and stars. So Revelation says, the stars will fall from heaven like late figs, overripe figs. Why did he say figs? Because figs is a symbol of Pharisaism, the fig tree, self-righteousness. Is that okay? Okay. So he says, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Look at this verse 27. I mean, this is going to get you whipping and showing and all sorts of things. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. The removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. Why? That those things which cannot be shaken shall Amen. Shall remain. Listen, listen. Let's go to the next verse. And he says, Wherefore, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be. Let us have grace whereby we will serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's just check verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Okay? So this, that shaking happened so that we could receive a kingdom that shall remain, never be changed, never be shaken, never be moved, will perpetuate for all of eternity. So, Paul says this in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. And sometimes we read these verses and we don't understand. So listen to this. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. And he's talking in this period of time. About some believers who put their faith in Jesus. And then the Judaizers, those who wanted to hold on to the law, came and convinced them to turn their backs on the way of salvation through Christ and to go back to the law. So Paul is saying, he's saying, if you've once been enlightened and you've tasted of the heavenly gift and you were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and he says, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if you go back, There's no other sacrifice for sin. What is Paul saying? That anyone who backslides can never get saved again? No, he's not saying that. What he is saying is, if you reject this work of salvation and go back to this, I want you to tell you that under this system, there's no more sacrifice for sin. This is the sacrifice for sin once for all. But listen, what I wanted to point out to you, Paul says this, he said, you have tasted of the powers of this age. Because in this age, he says in Ephesians 2, from ages and generations, there's an unfolding revelation that continues. And the power of this age is only just going to increase. You've tasted it. I think I should stop there. Amen. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, the end is glory. Did you get something? Is this world going to be destroyed? 
Too many verses. That's why Paul says in Hebrews chapter 2, quoting Psalm 8, it is not to angels that he has subjected this age to come. But it is written somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him? You crowned him with glory and honor, and you set him over all the works of your hands to have dominion. Some of you look shell-shocked. Jesus, help them. Help them. Help them, help them. Father, just pray, Holy Ghost, digestive aid to just soak up the steak. Digest. <laughs> Amen. Are you all good? But honestly, did you get something? When you go through this, how many of you can see it makes sense? How many of you feel it witnesses with your spirit? How many of you feel like it's like, oh my gosh, this makes more sense than other views? Because it's just the word, scripture upon scripture upon scripture, just the word, just the word, just the word. Is that okay? And there's plenty more. I want to just encourage you. Pastor John, you've given us this like overview of history. It's amazing. It's amazing. And here we are today. God brought the whole planet, the whole world through. Attacks of the enemy, Daniel 7. It says the enemy will come and he will try and change the set times and seasons. But God, sitting on the throne, the ancient of days, would not allow the enemy to change the set times and seasons. And God held this whole world in his hand, engineered empires, hearts of kings. He held the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. He held them at bay so they would not kill the Christ. He put a check on the work of Satan so that Satan would not destroy the promised seed. The seed came in the fullness of time. And we're living in the unfolding. I'm so glad we didn't live here. We don't live here. I'm so glad we don't live there. I'm so glad we live in the age that is subject to us where he's put everything under our feet and we must rule and reign. And he ordained your birth in the fullness of time. He had his hand on you. He brought you into salvation. He's brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you not think that he can carry you through all your personal challenges? If he could carry all of history, every empire, every nation, all of them, the individuals whom he selected out to be part of the genealogy of Jesus, including Rahab the prostitute, including wicked kings, and he could bring about Christ. I mean, can he not bring about the completion of your life? The fullness of Christ, the manifestation of the mature man, the son of God? Because he's got you in his hand. He's walked with you through all of your struggles, all of your challenges. He's brought you through. Through your rebellion, through your unbelief, through every tragedy, he's brought you through. And here you are today. You not think that we cannot just commit our future to him? And say, Lord, I can trust you. If you could do all of this, can't I trust you? You're big enough for me. 
Amen. You're strong enough for me and for my life. Come on, let's just raise our hands and let's bless the Lord from that point of view. Amen. Come on, just begin to thank Him. Say, Lord, my life is in Your hands. and You will take care of me. You'll bring me through to my destiny, my destination. You know exactly where I am, who I am, what I am. Lord, You've saved me for this particular time in history. What days we live in. It's so absolutely awesome. And God, You will continue to keep Your hand on me, to protect me to preserve me. Lord, by your Spirit, you'll bring me into the full stature, image, measure of Christ. Lord, you will bring me to the glory. It will be revealed and manifest in me, in us, Lord, as the church. And then, Lord, you will appear as the Lord of glory, in glory amongst us, and we will rule and reign on this earth. Father, I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone agreed and said, Amen. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask, think, or imagine, to him be glory in the church. May he to whom you've committed all things bring about the fullness of the good work that he began in you. May he bless you out of Zion. Amen. May he cause you to prosper and increase, be in health, be in peace in every way, and give provision for your life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah.